Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm here with Father Boniface Hicks and I am Joe Rocky. And today we are having a conversation that's going to be going down a couple of different directions, Father, because these are a lot of questions that I've had just growing up as Catholic that I've never really known the answer to. I've kind of accumulated these along the way and, and figured we'll just go into them. And the particular overarching topic is the difference between Roman Catholicism and the other sects of religion out there. So I guess that's my first starting question is I know that there's the Protestant Reformation which split you know Protestant being protest uh, which split from Catholicism but I also know there's all the Orthodox ones. I have no idea what the difference between any of them are and really pretty much aside from the fact that they have different names and they're not Catholic and they're not Roman Catholic, I don't really know anything. So um, I guess that's kind of where I wanted to find some information out about today and see uh, see what's going on there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think the some statistic I saw uh, in the not too distant past was that there are 20,000 denominations of Christianity. So we're not going to cover all those today. Fair enough. <laughs> But uh, there certainly are some uh, major groupings, and I want to say this in a way, it's so easy to get lost in the details, because and the, and the distinctions are significant, and so on the one hand, one doesn't want to downplay the distinctions, on the other hand, it can just become really uh, overwhelming. But one important distinction is the approach well, let me say, one thing that unites all Christians is baptism. And that's from a Catholic perspective. The Catholic Church recognizes the baptism of Christians who baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and who have a, a sense of what that means, that we believe in three persons and one God. And that baptism is a, a means of salvation, I guess. Uh, so with the right intent and the right formula, we recognize all of those baptisms as valid. We never rebaptize anybody if they become Catholic. Now let me give you an exception or two mm-hmm. and explain that. I think that would be a good starting point. The Mormons, the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, or LDS, they do not believe that Jesus was God from all eternity. They believe that Jesus was a creature, a human being, who then became God through living faithfully to God. I don't want to butcher their theology, and I don't know it all well enough, but essentially they don't believe that Jesus was God from all eternity. And so because of that, their, their baptism is not considered as valid, because even though they use the baptismal formula in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, They don't believe that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one God from all eternity. Mm. So, again, I don't want to go any more down that path than just to say that much. That puts them in a different... We would really say that they're not Christian. Anybody who doesn't use a valid baptism, we would really say is not Christian. So, that's uh, that's the Mormons. The Jehovah's Witnesses are in a a similar category, and... Uh, they also, now I'm, it's escaping me at the moment, but uh, 
essentially their their baptism we also don't consider to be valid because they don't have the same understanding of who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons in one God. They believe also that Jesus is a creature, I believe, and then you know divinized. I don't know their theology quite as well, but I know that their baptism is not considered valid. Okay. So those would not we would not even consider those to be Christian. Now, if you look at any of the evangelical denominations or your storefront churches or your uh, Methodists or Lutherans or Anglicans, Episcopalians, uh, or any of the Orthodox, all of them have the same understanding of the Trinity, the same understanding of Jesus Christ, the same understanding of baptism. And so that really unites us. And the Second Vatican Council made a very strong statement that we are all united in the body of Christ by one baptism. So we would consider all of those Christians, and in fact, being united in the body of Christ, they would all be part of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So we understand the church as a mystical reality created by Jesus that is visibly present in the Roman Catholic Church, but goes beyond the Roman Catholic Church because it includes believers through baptism who are not part of the Roman Catholic Church. Okay. We can say more about that, but I'm just going to leave that there for the moment. So the point is, we really consider ourselves to be one with the whole array of Christians who are validly baptized. Then another big distinction that's important to make is what the view on priesthood and the Eucharist is by other Christians. Okay. That's a, a big dividing point. So the easiest would be looking at like evangelicals, Pentecostals, um, and the Lutherans to a certain, well, I'll just stick with evangelicals, Pentecostals, kind of storefront churches, and um, Presbyterian, Reformed Church, the Church of the Brethren, Mennonites, the Amish, the Baptists, all, all of that kind of, that group that doesn't even consider that they have priesthood. They're, they're not what we would call liturgical churches that have a particular liturgy of worship that they celebrate on Sundays or weekdays or whatever, and they don't have uh, sacrament, the sacrament of the Eucharist or the sacrament of priesthood. They don't say they do, and we don't say they do. So okay. that's another category of, uh, of church. Then there are some liturgical churches like the Lutherans, to a certain degree, the Methodists, uh, the Anglicans, the Episcopalians and they're in a little different category where they don't even have a, a unity within their own churches in the sense that you'd find some Anglicans that speak of a real priesthood and they believe in the real presence of Jesus in, in uh, the Eucharist as they celebrate it you'd find other Anglicans that don't other Anglican ministers that don't so there's a whole range there same thing with Methodists same thing with Lutherans uh, so that's their perspective. Our perspective is that in order to have valid priesthood and valid Eucharist, you need to have a valid apostolic succession. And that's a really important concept for our Catholic Church, mm -hmm. is that 
the apostles ordained bishops and those bishops ordained more bishops and those bishops ordained more bishops and there's an unbroken chain of ordination laying on of hands in a ritual way with the intention of making bishops who hold the fullness of faith and celebrate it liturgically there's an unbroken chain from the apostles themselves 2,000 years ago to our bishops today so that's a really amazing thing unbroken chain that's called apostolic succession and we believe that we have that and we treasure that and that's very important to us we believe that the orthodox also have that and that's very important to them and they treasure that the Anglicans Lutherans Methodists some of them have some variants of that but the succession was broken at some point and it's it's mixed and then also their understanding of ordination and of holy orders changed over time so that we would say they no longer have apostolic succession so they no longer have a valid priesthood and they no longer have a valid Eucharist in the sense that it's not really the body and blood of Christ it doesn't it's not the real presence of Christ so that distinction is a very important one to make are you with me so far? I believe so. I, I think that, that, that we've we got two important divisions here. We have starting point to be on the Catholic ground is the belief in the Trinity for all time. Um, so pretty much, I believe it's John 3.16. In the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was made flesh. I might have the number wrong there, but that's, that's from yeah, the that's Bible. That's the prologue of John, John chapter 1. My bad. Um, anyway, <laughs> so, so we have that as our starting point. And then we have... The, um, the the way that, that the succession of priests went along and all the way back from Christ giving to the apostles and the apostles continuing it on. So, just a follow-up question there. Why is that so important? Yeah, well, let, let me introduce two concepts then. The first one is a, a communion in baptism. So we have a communion with a lot of Christians in baptism. And then we have a further communion with some of those Christians in the Eucharist. Well, at least in our understanding of the Eucharist or in, or in apostolic succession. So, um, and then to have full Eucharistic communion would also be able to share, be able to share the Eucharist with uh, other Christians. And we believe that we need a certain level of unity and there are really, really three spheres. Now I'm going to introduce a couple other categories and, and mm -hmm. come back to your question. But there are three spheres that we talk about. There's a sphere of belief. There's yeah. a sphere of, uh, of worship, liturgical practice. And then there's a sphere of governance. Okay. And, and those are actually uh, tied in with the, the three offices of Christ, priest, prophet and king. So prophet has to do with belief or truth, mm -hmm. priest has to do with liturgical celebration and worship, and then king has to do with governance. So uh, priest, prophet, and king are, the, are three major categories. And uh, the so for example, it's another way that we could look at um, our unity with the Orthodox. We have a unity with the Orthodox in terms of truth we really have the same faith there's 
There's not much one could quibble over a little here and there, but essentially we hold the same truths and we hold the same liturgical beliefs, practices. We do not hold the, the one point of division with the Orthodox is in terms of governance. And the central piece would be that we believe that Peter was made the head of the apostles and that he has a certain authority over and above the other apostles, that he is a principle of unity. And so there is a, an authority of Peter over the other apostles. And the Orthodox would say that that's not true. Every apostle is equal and has an equal authority. And the only greater authority is in the kind of agreement or communion of all of the apostles, of all the bishops. So we have a distinction in governance with the Orthodox. And our distinction in governance is such that John Paul II said, the Orthodox are welcome to come to communion in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. The Orthodox don't hold the same in reverse. So we don't have a full Eucharistic communion with the Orthodox, although we invite them to receive the Eucharist in our churches. They would not invite us to receive the Eucharist in their churches. They believe that the division is still too great. So we're, we're aiming toward Eucharistic communion with all Christians. That's Full Eucharistic communion is really the, the, the gold star of, uh, uh, the gold seal of approval and, uh, and what the Lord wants very much for us to have. Okay. So, um, so that, so, so are they essentially saying like theirs was James, like Apostle James is their starting point or, or, and then usually, uh, Peter or I, I'm at yeah, usually it, yeah, actually, usually Andrew, the brother of the Lord, is uh, is seen as the 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 patriarch of Constantinople, is seen to be the kind of successor of Andrew the apostle. Okay. And they would say that Andrew and Peter are brothers. Peter it does not have a greater authority than Andrew. We would say that from significant texts in the in the uh, New Testament, that Jesus called Peter to a higher office and gave him the authority that goes with that. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Uh, what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You are the rock, and on this rock I build my church. So those creedal statements from Matthew 16, 18 would be a big deal. And then also the call of Jesus in John 21 when he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs, tend my sheep, that that call to be the one who feeds the lambs and the sheep is Peter, and the, and the fathers interpreted it this way, is Peter nourishing the bishops, that he has a responsibility for all the bishops, the sheep, and then also all of the lambs, all of the faithful. So anyway, some of those statements and a number of others, making him the first among the apostles uh, are things that we hold, but the Orthodox wouldn't agree with us on that. That, that actually leads to a follow-up question. Do we all use the same Bible? Uh, well, we use the same Greek texts, and then that gets translated, obviously, into different different ways. But yeah, we use uh, that. That's actually one of the places that we've moved forward together. The Greek texts, because there are some variations in the Greek text. There isn't like an original Bible. It's not like there was a Bible that Jesus wrote, mm -hmm. and then he gave that to the apostles. But it's a collection of letters and of gospels that were stitched together and it wasn't until the fourth century that they even agreed on what's officially part of the Bible. So 
there, we don't have any kind of like this is the gold standard, you know, this is the Bible, and there is a variation in text. So it was actually a joint effort between Orthodox Protestants and Roman Catholics to even decide what the Greek text is for the New Testament that we all use. Um, but yes, at this point we have a we have a common a common Bible, a common agreement on the Greek text. I didn't mean I didn't mean to sidetrack you. That was just a question. No, it's a great question, and that's the kind of thing that as we move together, we move closer together, and we walk together on the path. These are the kinds of projects that help us to grow in in love and trust for each other. Because the reality is, a lot of the divisions persist because of ignorance, because of personal issues, because of just a, a separation by by country or by language or by area. There are certain offenses in the past that some priests on our side or some ministers on their side did things that offended and hurt. And so anyway, there's a lot of social divisions that exacerbate the real distinctions that we could make in terms of teaching or liturgical practice or governance. And so working through those social issues at the same time that we're working through the other issues is a, a, a big area in the world of ecumenism. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, you, so, the, so you said that there was a third sphere. Well, no, those are the, the three. Uh, so in terms of worship and truth and governance. Okay. Those are the, the three big categories. And then in terms of uh, united by baptism, united by apostolic succession, and then we could say that kind of full Eucharistic communion, uh, which would also involve the, the communion and governance. So, yeah, those are, uh, those are kind of the big areas of, of Protestant denominations. Again, the kind of non-liturgical churches, evangelical, um, Baptist, Mennonite, you know, something like that. And then uh, liturgical churches, mainstream Protestant, like Lutheran, Methodist, Anglican, Episcopalian, uh, and then ones that we really share apostolic succession and priesthood with, such as the, the Orthodox. Those would be the kind of three big categories of, uh, of Christians. Okay. And then, I guess as a question, if you have someone who's just kind of drifted along in life, not really knowing where they're at, is it better to be in one of those other denominations over nothing, or kind of how is that broken out? Since essentially, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, well, to talk about better, one would have to define a, a measurement to make things better or worse. Uh, so, in, in the sense that someone is going to ask me if. Um, you know, how they should move forward or in terms of liturgical practice, of course, I believe that the Roman Catholic Church has the fullness of teaching and the fullness of liturgical practice. It has the fullness of faith. And so I'm not, so if somebody has nothing and they're coming to me, I want to give them the fullness. Now, if somebody has a, a background in some church or a lot of times people get involved because they develop friendships or they start dating or they have some other organic connection, if they're going to start going to an evangelical church or a Methodist church or a Presbyterian church, I'm not going to say, oh my gosh, you know, the world is ending. No, you can't do that. It's going to be terrible. Well, 
I, again, I, I'm going to share what I have to share, which is the Catholic faith, and I believe that's the fullness of faith, and I want people to have that, but I'm not going to try and talk them out of moving from nothing to something, certainly moving toward baptism if they haven't been baptized, or moving toward some liturgical practice or some life of prayer. Ultimately, Jesus is also going to lead them to the fullness. So if they're coming closer to Jesus, I believe that he also is going to lead them toward the fullness of faith. So uh, I'm not going to try and talk somebody out of that. Now, with something like the, like the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses that we don't even believe are Christian, I'm probably going to work to talk somebody out of that a little bit more so because I, I don't think that's going to be leading people in a good direction. Uh, or likewise, if somebody's going toward you know Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism or something else, I'm going to have a talk with, with that person and try to steer them into another direction. Um, but in terms of people becoming Christian, I'm going to be more open to that. That has a certain positive momentum to it that's kind of easier to work with to then introduce them to more and more, and, and maybe they also take the steps to, uh, to become Catholic from there. Mm -hmm. So I, I, that was actually what my final question was, is so when they say Catholic, it's just Roman Catholic, and there's none of the other ones under that umbrella, or is it just the, the Roman? Well, Catholic is uh, Catholic, which is rooted in Rome with the Pope. We also speak about Maronite Catholic or Byzantine Catholic or Chaldean Catholic. There are 22 different rites in the Catholic Church. And so there are other Catholics, and they are Catholic. They celebrate the liturgy a little differently. They even have a little bit of their own expression of theology and some differences in that. But they're fully Catholic. They're in Eucharistic communion. We can go to their liturgy. They can come to our liturgies. We all hold the Pope as the the first among the apostles and with having a primacy that's proper to the office of St. Peter, etc., etc., etc. So they're just the same Catholic that we are. We always, when we speak of Catholic, we always mean in union with the Pope, same view of the sacraments, full Eucharistic communion. So they still follow the Pope with what he says and, and all of that stuff? That's correct. Okay. So that's pretty much where the Catholic is, is, is you're underneath the Pope and you, you do, you're underneath that structure um, for governance, as you, as you mentioned before, correct? Yeah, the governance is the, is the last piece there. Yeah, because if you have, if you're in union with the Pope, that means that you do what he teaches, which is the same teaching in terms of truth and the same teaching in terms of uh, the sacraments. And so if you have the Pope, you have the whole thing. If you have the other parts, you don't necessarily have the Pope. Fair enough. That, that, that makes sense. So, um, so hopefully that made sense to everyone out there listening here today. We thank you guys for, for giving us your time here. Hopefully this is indeed a helpful cast for you today. Hope you guys have a great week. We do thank you guys for subscribing and leaving reviews. We ask you to continue to do so and to continue to let other people know about us. Thank you guys very much and have a great rest of your day.